Hey there, you old queens. Turn up your pod player, because quite frankly, you're going deaf. Rub some A535 on your business. It's time to act like teenagers and talk all things queen. Welcome to Seaside Pod Review. We are two nerds holed up in the Canadian prairies. And once a week, we ramble on and on and on about a random song from one of the most diverse bands in rock and roll history. Brand new angle, highly commendable. Seaside Pod Review. Kiss, Kevin. I don't know. Kevin. What? What are you doing in my studio? I thought we'd record a podcast episode, mate. But why do you insist on doing it here? I, you, let's face it, you smell funny. You know, I think I should bunk off work for a little bit. And, <laughs> <laughs> and if you notice, Ryan, you know that old saying, dress for the job that you want, not the job that you have? Yes. You'll notice how, how am I dressed. Describe for the listeners. How, how would you say I'm dressed? I think you're dressed... Like you're hoping that somebody will pay you to eat chips on your couch. <laughs> I want to be a professional podcaster, so that's why I'm dressed. Sweatpants, a sweater, and fucking running shoes. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, well, I know I look like I just rolled out of bed. And it's because I just rolled out of bed not too long ago. Uh, well, yeah. that's, that's the life of a, a working musician, right? That's right. Except, <laughs> except obviously I'm not working very much. You know, before we start, Randy, today we really must... Uh, um, highlight the fact that Elon Musk is an absolute fucking prick. Just, just to get that out of the way and get get off off, off my chest right away. Um, yeah, let's get that established. Yes, uh, tell 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 our listeners why you told me why. So, well, so Twitter, Elon, good old fucking Lord Elon has decided that at some point, whenever he decides to pull the switch on it, uh, you'll need a verified account or whatever the whatever else with the blue the blue check mark, right? The eight eight dollars a month uh, thing to be able to vote on fucking polls and to do various other things, but to vote on polls. So, and he's, you know, the 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 reason is to try and get away from all these AI bots that are going to swarm the internet. Like, dude, fuck, I, it's a fucking queen podcast poll. I don't care. Like, come on, just, it's it's so stupid. So, fuck him, yeah. first off. But then yeah. the other thing is, I was, and it's funny because as we were sitting here, I was chatting a little bit with, um, I was chatting a little bit with uh, Rob Marr online who, he mentioned that using um, get, sending people to a website and using uh, Google, using Google Sheets. But you know what? I'm a techie. I got programming, mad programming skills, Randy. So I'm <laughs> gonna get our website up and running, and I'm gonna put, I'm gonna build some functionality over the next couple of weeks to be able to allow people to vote on these polls directly on our website where they belong anyway. Let's face it, um, and then we can just link to that on social media, and we'll uh, just, just tell you on to go fucking shove it where the sun don't shine. It's unfortunate because it's definitely not as uh, convenient, is it? It's not as convenient. We hope people will will stick with it, but you know, I think everyone's going to be in this vote now. So anyone who's using this, like, I, there's loads of accounts on Twitter that really polls are what they do. That's how they've built their following, how they've built their engagement strategy, and it, it yeah. really sucks that this fucking idiot has come in and just for the almighty dollar. How much money does this guy need? I don't know. Apparently, more. Yeah. It's not enough that he's ran Twitter into the ground. Now he wants to try and recoup some of his, his losses. Yeah. What's that? What's that? It's the CCR, man. All they, all they want is more and more and more. Yeah. Fortunate son. Yeah. 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 Sounds about right, Kev. Well, should we just go straight to Twitter then and start talking about some of the comments, Randy? I think we should uh, just go straight to Twitter and maybe start talking about some of the comments. I just said that. Why do you got to fucking repeat me? Uh, because it was my idea. <laughs> He's such a chump. Yeah. All right. Hey, so uh, poll results, Kev. Champion at 82% and bites the dust at 18%. 
So, uh, and I do believe we were on the good side of that poll this time. We were. We were. Which, we, we were the, with the good fellas, yeah. That's right. That's right. Which, you know, we aim to please. Well, I'm for a demo, which is what this is, right? I mean, I, I think that's, it's pretty good that it was pretty conclusive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Aaron Mullen uh, says, despite, I guess we're falling out, edging close to schmaltz at times, getting to hear a new, in brackets, old, Mercury vocal carries the song just over the line. Freddie champs it. Nice. PJ at New Mercury says, Champion. I first heard a uh, not entirely official version of the song years ago and loved it from the start. This version is obviously more cleaned up, and I think it's a few takes thrown together, but it works so well. A shame it wasn't revived for innuendo. And yeah, I agree. It's a shame they didn't finish it. Yeah, I need to say later too that the end is lady used on Hang On In There. It's just got that feel to me that there's something about it that kind of screams a day at the races. But a couple of other people said the works are even Mr. Bad Guy, right? But it's not a Freddie song, so it would never have been on Mr. Bad Guy. But um, maybe what we'll do once we've gone through Twitter, Randy, is we can take a quick sojourn and we'll listen to the end of I Guess We're Falling Out and then listen to the start of uh, Hang On In There and we can see okay, how sure. they mesh. Yeah, cool. Okay, let's do that. Yeah, Paul Bradbury says, even in its half-finished state, it's better than many songs that made it onto the miracle. I won't show by hand by naming which songs I'd swap out for it, as that will ruin Mr. Randy's fun. Well, thanks, Paul. I would not like my fun ruined. So, you know, thanks for that. And I do love that from the, from the I think it was the second episode you had a nickname. You've had a nickname from basically the start of this podcast. I know, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Randy here, I, I, wanted, I wanted people to call me the minister of the church or go fuck yourself, but that's not sticking. <laughs> hey, when the t-shirts come in, then it'll start to stick, trust me. <laughs> Uh, uh, Leighton Brown, our pal, says um, the Miracle box set <laughs> is so upsetting to hear how those songs could have sounded to how they ended up. Uh, they made bird-type beef burgers from the finest fillet steak <laughs> and then overcooked them. <laughs> <laughs> that Freddie riff they jammed before, I want it all incredible on a new one. So he's kind of getting into more of the other tracks from the, the collector's edition. But but yeah, I mean, this song being left off, once we get into some of those songs, Randy, you'll, it'll leave you scratching your head. Even in its unfinished state, it's better than some of the stuff that made the final album. Wow, man. Makes you wonder who was calling the shots there, hey? Yeah, it was a really good uh, blog post that Rob Maher had submitted to in the lap of the pods that I read today. And he's talking about with the miracle that um, they were chasing trends, or even like through a lot of the 80s, where Queen always set trends, right? They were always the trendsetters. They were doing things that really no one else was doing. But in the 80s, they sort of lost their way and started chasing the newfangled thing and, you know, with the synth sounds and stuff that's mm -hmm. very, very dated. So the miracle's a really good slash horrible example of that, really. So, oh, boy. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. i got to be honest with you. <laughs> Uh, Blagpie, champion for me, he says, given it's unfinished and against the backdrop of what else ended up on the miracle, it's a travesty. That said, in the state it is, it's much more suited for Mr. Bad Guy than a Queen album. Yeah, and again, that's that's, a, that's how it propped up a few times about the, the Mr. Bad Guy thing, which was Freddie's solo album, but given it's a John Deacon composition, I don't know that that would have ever been a route for that song to come out. Maybe, you know, who knows, but. Yeah. Okay, David A. Wilson says, more unfinished than fun it, in brackets, and I dusted that, but somehow I've championed this one. I was in the very rare position of never hearing this before. Uh, again, brackets, those box sets are bloody expensive, so maybe it's cheap sentimentality, but I adored this song on first listen um, and rinsed it a lot since. So that's great that we've someone else has heard a song they, a Queen song they hadn't heard before. That's kind of neat. Nice, nice. I'm not the only one then. Dieter says, champion. 
even its half finished state, it's much better than what ended up on the miracle. So that's uh, <laughs> that's getting to be a really common uh, a common statement here. I'm getting. Uh, Rob Hatton says, I'm in the Mr. Randy POV this week, as this is my first ever listen. I'm voting it champion purely based on what it could have potentially been and not what is presented, or indeed what I fear it would have become during that miracle era. Drum machines and shitty keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they were good keyboards at the time. <laughs> Paul Walbyoff voted a champion. A great song, unfortunately not finished. Could it have been appeared uh, could it have appeared on innuendo or perhaps made in heaven uh, with a little bit of production the guitar riff appears on the b side of i want it all in the song hang on in there scroll to two minutes and 30 seconds well i did not do that and nor did i know that did you know that well that's the one we we're talking about right so that after we've kind of gone through twitter here we we'll uh, actually sit and listen to this a little bit and we'll see gotcha. where they drop that riff copy in, yeah. that gotcha okay sweet so em ling is coming in with a hot take i think it was rightfully binned dust for me He's not, I'm not, I'm not impressed with it. Um, and Curtis Sparkles, that Curtis Sparkles DMC. It's a tough one. It's not flawless, but maybe with a bit of work, it could have appeared on the finished album and maybe improved it. Nice jam element at the end. I'll give it the benefit of the doubt and champion it because I'm on holiday and it's sunny, but it's a close call. <laughs> you know, if he wasn't on holiday, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'd have made it. <laughs> Alice's dad says, champion, definitely. But, as you said, it doesn't quite fit the Miracle album. Might have worked on Innuendo, though, so it's a shame it was never finished. Yeah, and just, you know, more of that. It's a shame it wasn't finished. And Really, I, man, I'm, I'm starting to really look forward to digging in some of those tunes everybody's talking about. <laughs> uh, Justin Fotheringham says, really enjoyed the tune, could have replaced more songs on the Miracle, and definitely replaced Delilah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which we, we agree. Uh. Alex Small says, on the basis this song is unfinished, it has to bite the dust. However, the, mel uh, the melody for the chorus is sensational, and you have to wonder if they had revisited this during the innuendo sessions and not the miracle, it would have been a classic, uh, would have sat perfect on side one. Yeah. Yeah, and people talk about it being an innuendo. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that because I was thinking more about what it reminded me of, like with the Day at the Races tonally that I just again I can't get that out of my head but but I think yeah on the innuendo there's a couple of songs on the innuendo it could have replaced and I think had they worked it up and finished it yeah it would have been pretty killer yeah no doubt um again Michael Green says would have loved to hear this finished on an album I'd never heard it before Freddie's vocal piques my interest for sure so he doesn't say whether he voted up or down I'm gonna guess up right right and our pals our Australian pals Queen Rocks reminiscent of Freddie's Mr. Bad Guy Ear Piano Ballads a champion our friend Ben says well, hashtag crikey, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> My scores on the doors for this song is champion. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, and Stephen Ursel. So we've got another one. Another contrary. Bites the dust. It's being rated on the poll so far as if it is one of the classics, which seems excessive. Fair enough. It's nice enough and has a spark of potential, but it's not even a full demo, let alone a full song. The studio dialogue is cool, but other than that, nothing special. So, hey. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to disagree. I'm not going to disagree with someone's opinion, Randy. No, no. You can't win them all, you know? You cannot. You, you can't even win some of them. If I fucking win one, sometimes that'd be nice. That'd be good. Okay, then over on Facebook. We're going to go to Facebook, Randy. Uh, Michael J. Smith says, Champion, could listen to Freddie's vocals on this song all day. I've really enjoyed listening to the Miracle Sessions. Just shows they still had it as a band when all four of them would just jam a song together. P.S. Didn't think I had enough time in my life for another podcast on Queen. You've proved me wrong. Keep it up. So thank you so much, Michael. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, 
That's hilarious. There hilarious. are there are a number of uh, Queen podcasts, so what the hell, eh? Brycey says, champion for me too. I agree if this was worked up and finished uh, up to a finished product, it could have easily replaced some of the driftwood on the Miracle album. Like all lifelong Queen fans, to hear any snippets of the bands interacting, especially Freddie, is like gold. There must be... Uh, there must be lots more just wasting away in the archives. Love on the podcast, Brycey. Thanks, Brycey. Most appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. Um, James Lawrence, great potential song champion. The end bit you talk about was incorporated into another song called Hang On In There, the B-side to I Want It All. So you know what we should do, Randy, quickly, is we should throw on, um, I guess we're falling out, so throw on the end and we'll go skip to the guitar section of that and we'll take a quick listen to re- refresh our memories, and then we'll go to about 2.30-ish of Hang On In There, and we'll just sort of compare and contrast, and we'll see how it fits. Sure. Yeah, it's a pretty cool jump. Yeah. So that's the that's the the sort of the, the jam bit. So clearly that was sort of something they were just fucking around with. Either that or they've kind of they were messing around with hanging in there as well and just had that they didn't know what to do with that riff maybe. Hey, so if you go to hang on in there, okay, and we'll search it. I think someone said about two thirty ish. I think they said. There you go. Bit of a sloppy lead back in from Roger on the drum there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's definitely the same riff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and just dropped into, like, those, you talked about this a lot, sorry, where you've got like a little riff kicking or anything. Hey, wait a minute. I've got this bridge section or I've got this little bit in this song that I can't figure out where to take. And uh, I've got this little lick, so I'll put that in there. That works. Yeah, it's, I've, I've done that too. You mash, you know, mash an idea into a, from one song into the next, uh, uh, you know, just because you don't want to waste a good, perfectly good riff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. All right. Well, you know what, Randy? I We, sh- we should start thinking about spinning this wheel up. And I really want to listen to something from The Miracle now. Just because, yeah. you know, we've been talking about lots. We haven't had a full song from it. We've had this sort of demo, but we haven't had a, a full song from The Miracle. And I'm really kind of hoping we get something that's going to be uh, divisive. Let's get something that's, you know... You know what? You always ask me what I want. That's what I want too. We're simpatico today, Kevin. We are simpatico, uh, which yeah. is that's that's French for um, handsome, right? <laughs> yes, that's exactly <laughs> what it means. That's exactly what it means, Kevin. All right, do you uh, want to spin it up and tell us what we're going to get, Randy? Okay, I'm going to spin the sucker up. Here we go. Now, as I'm sitting on Randy's couch at the moment watching this wheel, I can't see a goddamn thing. So, I'm going to really trust Randy to tell me that when the when the thing goes. Whoa! And we get the cheers that he's gonna he's gonna tell us what album and what song we are listening to. So once once the hullabaloo dies down, Randy, what have we got? And we have a winner, ladies and gentlemen. It's back chat from Hot Space. Oh, okay. So we're not getting uh, the miracle, but it is the eighties. So you know, this is good. This is good. Let's check it out. In a world where queen facts matter, two men, one tall, 
one not tall will scour the internet relying mainly on Wikipedia. Kevin Brown, Randy Woods in Seaside Pod Review. Alrighty then. So, uh, this is a deaky tune, ladies and gentlemen. He plays the bass, the electric guitar, programming, and synthesizer. And we got Brian May playing a little bit of electric guitar. And we got uh, Roger Taylor playing some of those drums that are also electronic. Uh, recorded between June and December of 1981 in Munich at Music Land Studios. And uh, just, uh, you know, at a sort of a little cursory, cursory glance here, it appears as though uh, the band was not really getting along too great at this point in time. And uh, it looks like it was a struggle to put this whole thing together. Yeah, and I think that this was also a time when there was a fair bit of, I think the, the drug use had kind of started kicking in. So I, and it was just tension exacerbated by all kinds of things. And again, we've talked about it just before we even sp spun the wheel that they started sort of chasing trends, right? So they were looking at doing, branching out into different um, styles that weren't really their wheelhouse, weren't really their sort of comfort zone. So you get this, you know, Queen trying to sound like James Brown and not really quite getting it right. They still sound like Queen, but so you get this, it's that balance, right? So, yeah. Yeah. I noticed here too, uh, on uh, a wiki page here saying that the track was, uh, performed on the hot space tour at a faster tempo with a more rock oriented arrangement. So that's cool. And that's something that maybe we should give a listen to too. Uh, after here, that'd be, that'd be cool. Yeah, definitely, man. And it was the, uh, I think it was the last single released off the album. Did hit number 40 in the UK. I uh, don't think it hit anywhere else, really. Oh, 69 in Germany. 19 in Ireland. It peaked at number 19 in Ireland. So the, the Irish, the M-Link. Must love this song. You must be one of the guys who went out and rushed out and bought this track. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that the, if I remember rightly, because I've got, I've definitely got the single at home because I've got all the all the singles. I think the cover is just the hot space, the, the four colored squares with back chat kind of printed. It's almost like, you know, the like a digital clock readout. It's that right. kind of font, I think. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, I, think I, am, I am correct. Oh, you are correct. After <laughs> one of the few times I am correct. Uh, maybe also worth noting here, it says that uh, Deke was trying to recreate a little bit of the earlier magic from uh, Another One Bites the Dust kind of uh, kind of a feel. So, yeah. Well, my interest is, is peaked. Should we Did, give it a bit of a listen? Should we play it and see what happens? Let's do it. Okay. I didn't think you'd want to stop quite so soon. <laughs> well, I just wanted to say that, okay, straight away, I think, you know, when, you do, when you're talking about people like James Brown and you talk about funk and all those kinds of things, it, straight away that would have sounded better with the real fucking drums. Straight out of the gate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like they're saying to, I had read there too, uh, they're going for that N Nile Rogers, this the chic yeah. sound, and it's, 
I'm not. They, they, yeah, it's it's. They get it's it right. Quite, well, it's it's they got that sound. It's kind of yeah. <laughs> it's kind of happening. We'll see. We'll see where it goes from here. What do you think of the guitar so far? Well, it, yeah. I mean, it's it's all right. It just sounds like it, it sounds like a very simple rhythm track. Yeah. You know what do you think of the guitar? Do you like the guitar? It's all right. Doesn't move me very much. It's just no? a, bit, a bit. It seems a bit thin. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. So, I mean, again, it's just that sort of, it is, it's not what I want from Queen, man, you know? Uh, it sounds of its time. It really, 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 I mean, if you just gave this some, some what, what decade do you think this is from? Fuck, I mean, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure that I hate the style quite as much as you, but no. it definitely sounds, and I'm just really furthering what, what was said in in the uh, that Queen book, but it really does sound to me like they're, they, they are chasing a trend here. That doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound like them. No. It sounds like them doing a song by another artist or just, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a little bit of that Freddy scatting that he would get into a little bit more on, on his solo album, on, his, on Mr. Bad Guy. Yeah. Um, living on my own, that kind of stuff. You know, the those, those types of songs where you kind of go into that, like all that kind of stuff, which fits this, I guess. But yeah, yeah I mean, I'm not, like, I'm not tipping my hand here because I'm not, there are, this song doesn't just stick in this mode all the way through. So I'm not I'm not saying, Randy, that I don't like this song. I'm just saying that it doesn't fucking sound like Queen to me. Just get off my back, all right? I think I can read you. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely could have used some real drums, eh? Yeah, <laughs> it's just uh, yeah, the the because that, that crescendo it wasn't so much a crescendo as just a gradual <laughs> nudge over a slightly sloped hill. Well, and it's it is a cool bassline. Yeah, yeah, no, it's the, a really the, cool bassline. So if you had a nice fat like a Stevie Wonder cool. kind of the riff is cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like it. Musically, it's good, and you could you could maybe chunk it up a little bit. Like Brian was one of the things you saying. You know, him and John were one of the songs they were fighting over because Brian wanted to kind of get it more back to sort of an angry route, which, you know, yeah, back chat. It's got a confrontational sort of thematic feel to it. Yeah. You could definitely sort of add a bit more aggression in it. But yeah, just the drums, man. I don't know. I I, I think it just would sound better with real drums. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I totally agree. And so it's one of those ones too because like the first side of Hot Space is really this, it's where they really kind of doubled down on the the um the 80s kind of feel stuff right so side two has got it's got a brian may song put out the fire you've got last palabras day and more cool cats a bit more of a sort of a laid-back jam and then under pressure which is this obviously that you know the, the big set piece for the album but the first side of the album is very heavy on this kind of more disco-y 
you know, like I said, that chic kind of sound, which yeah. I, I just I just never really listened to that stuff. But so it's it's just it's that gambit, right? And, and whether it paid off or not, they went for it and they just went all in and, and gave it a, gave it a shot. Well, you know what, Kev? If you're going to do it, you might as well go balls deep. That's what I always say. <laughs> Up to the nuts. <laughs> oh, yeah, That is, that's your Simmons. That's your Simmons sound, right? Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty great. <laughs> factory presets, baby. Factory presets. I wonder if they're even programmable. I don't think they were actually. No, no I can't imagine. The, the, the early ones definitely weren't. No, no. no. But I mean, that's why you know when anyone's using Simmons in that era, that's why it does date it because there's yeah. no fucking difference in the tone of the drums at all. Yeah. You yeah. can't you can't mic them differently. You can't. That's the signal you're getting is the signal you're getting, right? Yeah. yeah. I suppose you could put it through a bit of an effects process, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, it's things were done differently in the '80s, and I don't, I don't know if they, you know, I guess they could have ran them through something. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, <laughs> I don't know, like with the with, with the tempo and the feel of the song so far, that bit in the middle has always just been a bit like, oh, that seems a bit of a random, <laughs> weird. We've got nothing else. Rog, do you want to like use those new octagonal drums you got? Like, I, you know, we're uh, we're watching the video too. Yeah, uh, and I should have, I should add that when they gave Rog the close up there during that little drum solo, he kind of looked like he was dying inside a little. <laughs> I don't know though, because he really embraced all that, right? Like he really embraced the drum machines and and the electronic drums. Like he definitely wasn't. It wasn't like it was forced on him. Yeah, you know, no. some of the songs definitely were, but I don't think the use of those drum sounds was forced on Roger Taylor at all. Yeah, yeah, that's not to say I'm not to say that that they were, uh, and and it really that's really was the sound of the day, man. That's what yeah. that's what pop records sounded like, just just like this. But you can see, I mean, you know, now we've listened to a couple of songs from this album, and there's there's more along these lines. You can see how it would have been jarring for Queen fans, right? The after after the game, well, yeah. Flash Gordon too, but I mean, Flash was a soundtrack album. But after the game, where they've gone real sort of U.S. rockabilly, rock and roll, very stripped down, less of the later range. But to go to this as the next step would have been like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. You know? Yeah, we got a we got a guitar solo. There. Oh, but just before the guitar solo, I was gonna I was gonna stop. It was like fucking paging Harold Faltermeyer, paging Harold Faltermeyer. He's got that just like Miami Vice, because that with that big synth with the on top of those Simmons drums, it's like ooh, that's really right, right. really a bit much. Well, it was kind of a it was not a, not a bad solo. It was <laughs> yeah, it was a bit like it was a bit like he stepped on the cat's tail there for the a couple of the opening licks, but. <laughs> 
you know, that's that's all right. I don't mind it. Yeah. Playing different guitar in the video too, which doesn't yeah, it doesn't sound like his old uh, Red Special in the in the. Well, it's a telly by the looks of things. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Brian May so. playing the telly. Weird, hey. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny though, hey, because it's quite jarring whenever you see him with a different guitar, because he's just the hair and that guitar are as much him as anything he's ever written. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there again, we're looking at him play, and just the, he's got a he's got a particular stance when when he goes into his leads, and it looks like he's. You know, some guitar players make it look like it's absolutely effortless and, and you know, Jesus is flowing through them and, you know, they're having a massive <laughs> orgasm as they're soloing. But Brian looks like he's making sure that he's hitting all the notes. <laughs> he looks like he's concentrating. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, I'm sure it's fluid and all that stuff, but yeah. Absolutely. Okay, here we go. Good vocal. Yeah. That's one thing, again, I mean, we, we always come back to this. Every single song, there's there's always something in a Queen song that you can get behind, and it's almost always Freddie's vocal, because he sings this shit. He sings that line, um, when he sings, you stand so tall, you don't frighten me at all. He fucking gives that one somehow. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. It was th I was thinking the same thing, at, at how great how great his vocal was. And I was also struck immediately right after with just the this stenchy fromage that's happening here this <laughs> this this cheesy stew that's being whipped up for our listening pleasure and i mean the lyrics don't help no <laughs> at all no. It's, you know, no it doesn't help much it's it, and it's funny because it's one of those lyrics that you know it's very it's rhythmic and percussive lyric to just chop in and and you know match the the rhythm of the song so it's not really it's not narrative it's not really expressing very much other than Back chase, pissing, someone's pissing John off. Good, yeah. good chance, actually, in the studio that it's Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't like this song. Well, fuck you. <laughs> Which, uh, and of course, I don't know all the backstory, you know, with all these guys too, but apparently Deaky and Brian were at loggerheads, hey? Yeah, definitely in this recording process with this one because this was the direction John was going in. He wanted to go into this more R&B, soul, kind of, you know, disco-y area yeah. and brian wasn't following him brian's a rock and roller man like you know he yeah. fucking wrote tie mother down and and father to son and so you're just like well i know i don't want to fucking play disco yeah where does my guitar fit into this john yeah because you know? <laughs> it's john playing the rhythm part right really yeah. brian it sounds like the only contribution brian made to this song probably is that solo the solo yeah 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 So we're kind of heading into the the tail end of the song now, and it's called the outro, Kev. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Randy. Is that yeah. in, that's inside of baseball from the studio? That's yeah. That's, All right. So just going forward, if we can, instead of calling it the tail end, we can call it the fucking <laughs> outro. <laughs> what kind of two bit fucking podcast are we running here? 
Well, I meant exactly that. Oh, oh, that's, oh shit, that's right. It is a two-bit podcast. Oh, okay. All right, so we're at the tail end of the song here. Yeah, just, I mean, it's almost like the, I mean, thank God for that solo, because that sort of took it in a different sonic direction, because otherwise that song, it doesn't really go anyplace, right? And you've got that sort of weird drum fill in the middle. This Almost it feels like it's been shoehorned in just to break it up a little bit, mm-hmm. just to put something in there that sounds a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Should we listen to the the twilight of the of let's, this let's song? listen to the tail end, Randy? <laughs> no, uh, how about the twilight? The twilight, yeah. Let's listen to the twilight. Uh, I got to say that was uh, that uh, that last one of the last licks on the outro uh, by Brian was pretty was pretty fucking tasty. Yeah, I don't know if you caught that. It's pretty great. It's also I do like that he's you know because he's not gone in and just shredded a a blues rock solo over that. He's trying to you know he's throwing some chords in there, so he's playing it more in that sort of style where it obviously playing to the song and it does fit. So it's not a jarring solo where it just sits outside of what John's trying to do. So. Because, I mean, you know, the, we were reading that John was really fucking adamant that, no, we're not, this is disco or R&B, we're not going this route with rock and roll. Yeah. So for Brian to sort of be able to, okay, well, I still want to be able to play a solo, so I'll play it so John will like it, right? So yeah. that shows a bit of bit yeah. of flexibility in, in Brian's playing, so. That's right. Way to go, Bri. <laughs> Way to play with the team, Bri. <laughs> I'm so fucking playing your stupid song, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't see though, like you know, Brian and fucking Brian would leave, and then John would leave, and Roger was never there, and yeah. Brian or Max like this is fucking impossible. How am I supposed yeah. to put this together when no one's here? Yeah. Uh, but that's it. You know, it goes to what a lot of Queen fans talk about is you know the the, the, the albums from the seventies were very much written as a band, four guys in the studio working the songs out. Yeah, you know, they got to this era. They're just popping into the sessions. They're dropping in their parts, and sometimes they come together, but most of the time they're not. They're, it's not a band working on these tracks. It's individuals bringing the songs, and fucking feels like it in a lot of cases. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does give that. It does have that feeling of uh, of being multi-tracked and just laying stuff on top. So I think I don't think we should fuck around any longer here, Kev. Why don't we vote? And I vote that you start first. That would be my vote. Okay. Uh, so does this a champion? Or does this one bite the dust? Okay, so after everything I've said, obviously people are going to think this is a slam dunk that I'm going to vote one way. I don't hate this song. I just, there's just bits of it that make me wish it was a bit different. So all that said, I'm going to vote. So yeah, I'll throw it to you, Randy, because this is a little bit, I would say, stylistically, a little bit more in your wheelhouse. Um, but you know, again, given the tenor of the conversation that we've had, I'm pretty sure I know which way you're gonna go, but I'll ask you anyway. Is this one of the champions or does this one bite the dust? I think, Kev, for me, it's got to Okay, so we're unanimous. I mean, again, I don't well, it's one of the songs on the first side that I, not say dislike the least, maybe a little bit aggressive, but 
It's one of the songs that I, again, it's just a bit of a, it's neither here nor there. It's, it's sort of in that middle ground where I don't really hate it, but I definitely don't love it. And I don't listen to it. It's not on any of my playlists. I would say this, and uh, this is my first time listening to it. So uh, although it isn't a style that I, I do like, I really do like funk and R&B. Uh, there's just so so many. There's so much more better examples than yeah. this. Uh, if you're into that style and you want to hear that type of that type of playing, uh, now you know. Obviously, F- Freddie's vocals great. Like the whole the whole thing's really pretty great. But it doesn't really ever seem to really go anywhere. It doesn't really seem to get anywhere. Maybe some of those verses they could have just dr- maybe dropped something out, or or maybe the choruses could have added a bit more. I don't know. It all feels pretty much same same. Everybody knows your name all the yeah. way through and it just doesn't really you know it just, just doesn't really it doesn't you know, like, like uh, my example of, of like I said, the, the crescendo was more of a gentle nudge off of a <laughs> off of a slow cheesy hill just kind of rolling <laughs> do you know what i mean and, and and i'm fine with the cheesy lyrics really i am it's, that's not uh anybody who listens to funk knows that the lyrics are often a- almost meaningless yeah uh, so it's not it's not that that i that i dislike although they are I would say they're plenty cheesy. Uh, yeah, so that's that, that's my only reason for for downvoting it. It you know, and like I said, you know that guitar part. I know it doesn't the the rhythm part doesn't really knock your socks off, but really that's that's the that's the proper kind of funky thing that you would do. And it's nice and tidy. It's yeah, a nice little guitar, but yeah, it's great. Tight. Again, it's, a really good bass line. Yeah, it's it's played tight. And yeah, if those are in fact the Simmons drums, and in, in you you know they are apparently, uh, yeah, they don't like the sounds as much. Like just use a real kit, man. I, I you know. You could you could still make them sound nice and tight and disco-y. There's lots of real drums and disco and and, and funk. So, well, have a qu- well, let's have a quick listen to a little bit of the uh, live version, Randy, just to see that you said it was played at a faster tempo. Yeah, and I don't remember this one from any of the live. I, I don't remember the song. That's again. I mean, I didn't follow up on a lot of listen to a lot of those concerts that were released after I, you know, not stopped listening to Queen, but in in my Queen fandom heyday. So I haven't listened to a lot of it. So let's have a quick listen to uh, sure a bit of well, a live back chat. We have uh, two options here, Kev. Okay. Live in Leeds in '82, okay, or Milton Keynes. Let's do Milton Keynes because that's that's tends to be sort of taken as the gold standard for most of this era. So okay, let's give it a listen here. Definitely faster. Yeah, we're getting a. Big, obviously, that big sort of stadium intro, right? Clean tone. Yeah, so you got that muted guitar. It definitely sounds straight away. Sounds way fucking better. Yeah, it's well, and as noted, uh, yeah, it's definitely more of a rock arrangement. It's real a real drum kit. Imagine that. There you go. Yeah, Roger's giving us some on the drums too, right? Nice. Yeah, just just better. That's yeah. just better. Yeah, I agree. I agree. If they'd played an arrangement like that, I, I who knows? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Maybe all these years later, a couple of nerds in Canada <laughs> would have voted it a champion instead of biting the dust. Instead of saying, take off, eh? <laughs> Hoser. 
<laughs> hey, take off with your uh, shitty back chats on there, eh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it's it's just what it is, and it's it's on <laughs> to quote the, uh, the the famous philosopher Paul Moody uh, as what well as you know. So it's just yeah. one of those songs that it exists. It's on an album I don't love, and it's fairly forgettable. So yeah, yeah. There we go. Well, should we call this an episode, Mr. Brown? I think we can call it an episode. And why don't we, as we always do, give the last word to Mr. Freddie Mercury. Good night. Bye-bye. Well, how about that? We really chatted ourselves into a corner on this one. Right in the back corner, I'd say. And, you know, if I was to title this episode, I'd call it No Love Lost Between Deaky and Me. We'd sure like to know what you have to say about Queen, Back Chat, Front Chat. Otherwise, we don't care. You can find us on Facebook at Seaside Pod Review and on Twitter at Queen Seaside. And hey, if you get some time, why not check out Recovering Queen? I've heard their talent is boundless and that they generally smell better than Kev. This is the twilight of this episode. We'll be back with you next week to wax poetic about this super duper group. Yes, Kevin. Seaside Park Review. I'm just a musical prostitute, my dear.